Hello, and welcome to Global Citizen, a podcast from Glimpse from the Globe, a foreign affairs publication out of the University of Southern California. My name is Reagan Lusk, and I'm one of the podcast hosts here at Global Citizen. I'm here today to talk about a very important topic that affects us all, the impact of over-tourism. The summer season is coming to a close, which means that traveling is slowing down once again. If you were on social media, you probably saw that lots of people were vacationing somewhere around the world. Personally, my TikTok for you page was filled with videos of overcrowded cities across Europe and Hawaiian locals telling people to stop coming to their islands. If you did travel to any of these places this summer, you probably noticed this overcrowded atmosphere. After all, this was the first summer in two to three years where COVID had not put too many restrictions on travel. So this of course meant that more people were expected to travel than usual. For those of you out there that don't know, the concept of over-tourism is not new, but it began being used frequently in 2017. The exact definition of over-tourism from the World Tourism Organization is the impact of tourism on a destination or parts thereof that excessively influences perceived quality of life of citizens and or quality of visitor experiences in a negative way. So in short, too many people are traveling, which disrupts the lives of locals. There are three main pillars of over-tourism. One, too many visitors. Two, too many physical impacts. And three, too much disturbance. These three factors are very broad. However, they cover a large variety of issues that arise when too many tourists are concentrated in specific areas of the world. There are many things that have made over-tourism worse recently, specifically in the last five years. The lowering of costs of airplane travel and cruise ships, exponential population growth, and urbanization of cities everywhere. Two factors, however, really stand out to me. I see them as major reasons why over-tourism is becoming worse and worse. The first is the growth of rental homes for vacationing such as Airbnb. Airbnb constantly has roughly 5.6 million active listings at once. In addition, over 1 billion people have stayed in an Airbnb before. A lot of Gen Z and Millennials seem to prefer staying in Airbnbs over hotels, with more than 60% of the users being from the Millennials' generation. A lot of cities, including Paris, Barcelona, Amsterdam, and Santa Monica, have fought back against Airbnb by making strict policies against them. Airbnbs are convenient for the traveler, but are detrimental to housing prices for locals, the living supply of houses, and the quality of life. Social media is the other factor that has exponentially increased rates of travel. Social media constantly promotes traveling. It has gotten to a point where local spots are being taken over by tourism. I remember a specific coffee shop in Paris blowing up on TikTok over the summer that every Gen Z tourist was going to. Influencers are constantly posting on social media about everything they want to do on their vacations. In my hometown of San Diego, California, tourists would find hidden local beach spots that were previously used for us locals to escape the dirtiness and crowded atmospheres of our main beaches. Now, they are also crowded from tourism and are filled with trash and other things left behind by excess amounts of people. Social media and easier ways to travel in conjunction with relaxed COVID-19 restrictions made this summer in particular extremely busy. According to Forbes, over 80% of American adults plan to travel this summer. That's about 208 million Americans. Due to this massive amount of people traveling, countries have responded to over-tourism in many different ways. In Sanatory, Greece, an island of 15,000 residents gets 18,000 tourists per day. They put a cap on cruise ships to 8,000 per day to combat this. 
From pop culture in Iceland, Justin Bieber's music video scene became so popular to visit that the government had to upgrade the infrastructure. In Bhutan, they have a fee of charging tourists 200 to $250 per day to control the rate of travel in such a small country. In Paris, employees of the Louvre went on strike to combat dangerously overcrowded conditions. In Venice, locals are literally leaving because of too many tourists, which of course is making a declining population. Barcelona is one of the cities that have been reacting to this in the most severe manner. In April 2020, a proposal was given to the city called the Manifesto for the Reorganization of the City, which was signed by 300 architects and 160 academics. They called for the elimination of cruise ships to stimulate touristic degrowth and to stop promoting Barcelona to the world. Over this past summer in 2022, Hawaiian residents begged tourists to stop coming to their islands. A few months ago, residents of Maui were left without water due to a shortage. These citizens were forced to live without water, while tourists at hotels kept their water on. Gentrification continues to kick locals out of their homes, and overcrowdedness harms the wildlife of the islands. So, how do we stop over-tourism? The best answer would be to simply stop traveling. But this is very unrealistic, especially in the long run. So is it even possible to fix this? How do we continue traveling without harming local communities? Recently, on September 27th, the World Tourism Organization held its annual World Tourism Day in Bali, Indonesia. The theme this year was called Rethinking Tourism and highlighted many things including tourism's biggest challenges and how to fix many of the problems that were created by over-tourism. The main idea is to reinvent tourism, to allow people to travel, but in a way that is sustainable for the environment in ways that protect local cities that are being damaged. I highly encourage everyone listening to watch some of the live stream from World Tourism Day this year. It is incredibly important to be aware of your impact when you're traveling. In a panel titled Rethinking Tourism, Mr. Makes, the founder of Plataran Hospitality Group in Indonesia, mentioned that there are three important factors of ecotourism. One, nature, two is culture, and three is community, with him highlighting the most important part, the people. Everyone on this panel explained how it is essential to work with the communities, international organizations, and companies hand-in-hand. Hand. But this is still somewhat broad. I bet a lot of you are wondering now, how can we stop harming communities and the environment through travel? Is there anything we can do as travelers to help slow the effects of over-tourism? What can we do as individuals to help? So, I talked with Diana Beltran, a professor of hospitality and tourism at USC. So my full name is Diana Catalina Beltran Gonzalez, and I say this because everything that I am today is from where I am from, my roots. So I was Colombian born in Colombia and South America, uh, but I'm American raised, raised in Florida and New York, California, and I resided a uh, short term in Hawaii as well. And I always like to start by showing the growth I've had throughout my life um, and why I chose to where it is that I am today, what led me to being a leader in the space of sustainability, specifically focused in the industry of hospitality and tourism. So growing up in South America, I was taught at a very early age to be very resourceful and not to let things go to waste, being part of a third world country. And I also was taught very much about our history, uh, the mix of European and indigenous blood that ran through all a majority of us in Colombia. And also during my young years, my parents loved to travel through uh, Colombia by car. And I really got to appreciate nature in a different level than I ever could have if I didn't have those experiences. So it exposed me a lot about the different regions 
natural scenery and environments and how it is part of us, of, of us needing to survive um, in this world, taking care of, of our environment. So now fast forward, um, I'm now a teenager, I come to the US and everything was much of a culture shock. I also had to learn English and I quickly embraced the, my new home and just all the new learnings that came with the American way of life. I had this one professor, Nancy Dolerskill, who changed my life. She uh, used to work for the government of Peru in government affairs and um, her background was international, tour uh, international business. And she became a consultant to Peru on how they could be more eco-friendly, how they could really market themselves as a nature-based and heritage destination. And she inspired me. I, I decided I want to be doing what she's doing and impact in a very big way in this area of, of tourism. Um, so I started to do what she asked us to do in class. She said, what can you do in your small circle of what you do today at work? to make a difference and to apply sustainability. And I worked at a hotel in Miami, a French hotel. And I happened to pick up a book called Earth Guest, something that I saw this hotel line had um, sent to us from Paris where the mother office is for this hotel brand. And I learned that they were already doing things in France that we just weren't in the US in this chain. I started to look at sustainability in a different way. I started looking at as how I can help this hotel be more efficient in the way they operate, reducing the impact on natural resources, so reducing our water usage, our waste production, our electricity usage. And from there, just things continue to grow. So I started doing sustainability at a young age while I was still in college. At my job, I was just a receptionist, but I was the green lady, as everybody knew me. I was becoming obsessed with this idea of, of doing it, making a difference in this one hotel. Um, so then just fast forward a little bit, I graduated, I went to a different hotel chain, an American hotel chain, I went to New York City, and there I really saw a, big of opportunity, a bigger opportunity to make an impact as I saw how much waste this one hotel I worked at was doing in these huge banquets that they would do if a thousand people or more, so much food was going to the garbage, and I would see poor people outside begging for food and us throwing away this amount of food from these very fancy, expensive banquets. So um, again, I started a green team there and it was so impressive the work that I was doing as an intern at the time that I was hired to do sustainability full-time as a sustainability manager at this hotel. Um, fast forward, I then was recruited by uh, the largest hotel company in the world. I was recruited from this one American company to another one, the biggest hotel company um, in the US to do sustainability for over 9,000 of their hotels. So my passion and my experience helped me start to grow and really put, put this into actionable work that I really enjoyed. Um, and I decided at that time to get my master's in sustainability management from Columbia University, just because I would always get the question, how do you know so much? What school did you learn this from? And I would say the school of life. <laughs> I didn't learn, didn't go, uh, to school for this, but I, I eventually did, and it helped me a lot to to add on to my experiences. Um, thanks to the Columbia University experience, I was actually able to consult to the country of Chile, to the tourism sector of the country of Chile, who was trying to do sustainability for their tourism sector and also market themselves as this green destination. So I knew that I wanted to continue on this track. So. Um, 
I decided to move around a little bit in the U.S. I got very involved in the government side of things in the cities that I lived. So the Hotel Association of New York City, I started their sustainability committee in partnership with great people in New York. Um, in Miami, the Greater Miami Beach Hotel Association, I also joined that committee and really started to make impact there. And I saw the importance of being involved, not just as my work, but as government. I need to get involved in government. It's not a paid job, but it's important. Um, and then I thought, academia, how can I give back to, to academics who have taught me so much? So I became a professor, an adjunct professor. Um, just for those of you that know, don't know what that term is, is, is what I am today. It's what I've been for a few years now. An adjunct professor is someone that is professional in their field, and they're giving class about their experience in the field. They are not a tenure professor. I have not always been a professor. I decided to to talk about this and teach about this because I think it's important for us to show the next generation what it is that they can do. And sometimes you can't just rely on what you, you learn from professors that just might be teaching theoretical um, academics, but rather on the ground. So I thought that this was my way of giving back. I taught um, at my alma mater where I graduated from. I took the class over of the professor that inspired me and I started teaching sustainable practices at that university. And you know, those were some of the things that I was doing before I landed in this, this job that I do today. And what I do today is I teach and communicate in different forums what sustainable tourism is, what sustainable management is, and what we can do as individuals or businesses or even governments to help move the needle forward towards being a more responsible society. Um, and I do that in two ways. Uh, one, I am an adjunct professor at USC in the hospitality and tourism master's program, teaching uh, three different uh, subjects. I'll all touch this area of sustainability one way or another but with different focuses. And then my main job, my full-time job is a sustainability consultant and specifically focusing in the industry of hospitality and tourism. So I, some, just to give you an example, I have, I have um, consulted to space, a space tourism company about their carbon footprint and how they can reduce it and how can they be more conscientious as they continue to still develop what their operation is gonna be which is going to launch in 2024. Uh, that was one of our latest. Right now we're speaking to a tour company that is a very large tour company um, based in Europe that has some offices in the US. And they're trying to see how they can be more conscientious about heritage tourism, responsible tourism, wild fair uh, tourism, and ethical tourism. That's where I find myself today. The company I work for, um, if you have had a chance to look at it, it's called Astrapto. And I love introducing this company because what Astrapto means is lighting, lighting the way for those that are in this journey of sustainability and want to understand what steps they need to take. So just to move straight away to the next question, just because it's a super interesting one, is um, just beginning off with um, asking you why traveling in general is so important. What I like to say is that the world is our classroom and travel is our teacher. So travel is important because physically going to places will give you so much more of an insight and reveal more than any book or any YouTube video or Instagram or Facebook or influencer video can. You're physically going. 
Travel can show us firsthand different cultures, community traditions, natural sites, and all of this helps us illuminate our thoughts on the world and it allows us to understand how interconnected we are to people and the environment. And lastly, as to why travel is so important, I'll say that travel can be life-changing and also travel is a privilege, let's not forget that. Those of us that have this privilege can gain knowledge, empathy, and understanding for the many ways of living around the world. And the important question I would say here is what can we do with that knowledge? If we are privileged enough to travel, what can we do with that knowledge? Because knowledge is not power, is what you do with that knowledge that is important, that gives power, right? So if not put to good use, it's powerless. Travel has the power to be beneficial for communities, for lands, for wildlife that it impacts. It is on all of us to use this knowledge in order for us to do good versus harm. I'll follow up with asking um, why it's important to be a sustainable tourist. So after the pandemic, I really hope that society has learned the lessons that what affects one country will eventually affect all countries. And when we think about sustainable, the word sustainability, sustainable tourism, sustainable tourists, what does that mean? Most people's mind goes to nature, being conservative, being eco-friendly, but it's so much more than that. It's about protecting heritage. It's about local community. It's about preservation. It is also about the natural habitats of animals. So being a sustainable tourist, in my opinion, is being a responsible tourist. A sustainable tourist is one that through travel and learning is more mindful. And you can apply this to a vacation. And the impact of the travel shouldn't stop once you return from vacation. It can continue. And it can start to shift the way that people think. It can start to positively make a ripple effect where culture shift takes place and maybe even where people reside will start to be more responsible and improve. Because again, if you go to a third world country on a trip and you see all the poverty that's taking place there and you believe that you're making a good impact by traveling, but then you come back and you don't apply anything you learned or saw there or continue to positively make an impact. We need to make connections. What will happen in that country will eventually trickle to others, right? Following up with that, I'll ask what are some ways that we can all do to protect the environment and respect the cultures of the places that we travel to? One I would say is learn before you go about the culture, about the language, and about the religion. Be respectful of it. You know, you may not agree with the customs and the religion. And we know that there are some countries where women are second citizens. People of color are not even looked at as people, right? So in some areas, I think it's most important, we need to educate ourselves and be respectful. And, you know, if we need to word concerns, let's word concerns in the appropriate environment. Um, We need to support locals. So if you're in a place and you go to K outside of the US, let's say, and you decide to go to a KFC, you're not really supporting the local economy because you're going to a franchise. It happens to be in the destination you're traveling. 
and you're not you're allowing economic leakage to take place right that means the money is not going to the local people it's going to go back to the 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 mother company country so eat local shop local we know that international business is big you can find a chinese store almost anywhere so when you go shop try to shop local you know i know convenience the reason why you know people go to where they go to buy sometimes it's price and convenience but if you can if you have the opportunity to if you're privileged enough to shop local support local stay local also see minorities and support them so for example if you are in the middle east and you are going to hire a tour guide the amount of tour guides that you'll find that are women it's going to be a lot less than men because those are minorities minority led businesses support minority led businesses that can also really help um in this in this area of helping cultures um be respectful to locals again by educating yourself and if you see something say something i think that's really important and that's how you as a traveler can protect the environment and can protect the people i'm talking about animal welfare you see something that you just know is not right tell your tour operator about it right and if you see something that just doesn't go well with child abuse there's um in in our industry there's slave tourism it's a real thing today there's sex tourism there's trafficking there's um unfortunately a lot of ugly as i said earlier and when i say as a tourist is how can you do anything about that if you see something say something don't support destinations or businesses if you see no change taking place and tell your friends about it so that they don't support them either and as far as the environment goes i would say reduce waste in every possible way that you can don't use single use plastics you're traveling take a reusable coffee mug you're going to be on the road you know you don't need to dispose every time you go and eat that's that is a little step but it goes far if you look at the amount of tourists that are traveling every day and the amount of things that are one time use single disposable plastics. Uh moving forward, I talked a bit about um World Tourism Day held by the UN. What do you think the main takeaway for all of us and like specifically just the general public who doesn't know too much about sustainable tourism is? What was said during the Tourism Day uh in Bali, took place in Bali by many heads of states and ministers. is that they're forecasting that the next natural crisis may be climate change, inflation, water shortage, energy crisis or war. And the main takeaway is that we need to rethink tourism in order to be ready for what may come next and we need to try to mitigate, reduce that it is climate change by using tourism to protect people planet and have everyone profit. So, I'll say that as a professional in this field for a very long time now, I was impressed to see that in this event there were 75% of 20G countries represented at this event, which is more than any in history. And that alone, just so you understand, represents 80% of the world's economy. So, big percentages And that's very exciting because we can see that it is being taken very seriously now by the heads of government. 
So the Secretary General of the UNWTO, who was there, stated that we do not have the luxury of wasting time to change hospitality and tourism. We don't have the luxury. We need to do more and we need to do better. And he was talking to all stakeholders. Who are the stakeholders he's speaking to? Government, many of them were there. The private sectors, the companies. Academia, because we are a big part of this change. And last but not least, and most importantly, and everyone listening to your podcast is the public. He said, we need to do better and we can do better together. And he meant by all stakeholders. So as countries continue to reopen and test requirements of COVID that are you know, loosening up, we're starting to see that more and more travelers are hitting the road and the skies, and they really are excited about seeing the world again. But we are all starting to see that we need to do things differently. We're starting to see a big need from tourists that want to travel and see places they never saw before. After the pandemic, a lot of people started focusing on wellness, which is good, right? It's a good place to start on yourself into wellness. But what I ask and what I believe that this day of world tourism was asking is for us to not just look internally and see how we can make ourselves well. But how can we look externally and try to make the world well, right? The world meaning nature, wildlife, people, economies. How can we work together better and um, be proactive of what may come in the future? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Global Citizen. If you are curious about more global affairs, make sure to check out glimpsefromtheglobe.com. Bye.